Good morning. So have you ever uh, been faced with a tough decision? Nobody? Just me? I'm the only one that has to make tough decisions? Okay, I see a hand back there. So um, one of the big things that happens kind of in the fall of every year, school gets kind of back into session. The good things is football starts back, you know, things that matter. No. Um, but, but there's kind of this point where people kind of return back to the rhythm of life. But sometimes that returning back to the rhythm of life requires big decisions. Um, so next week, we're going to start, it's a four-week series that basically is looking at the fact that the decisions you make today affect who you are tomorrow, and looking at how we make the best decisions, and trusting God, and taking risk, and taking chances, and how our lives can become abundant and better because of the decisions we make today. So, so you don't want to be here. You, I mean, you don't want to miss it. You want to be here next week. We have our kickoff Sunday. You're gonna, everybody's going to be wearing their team colors, right? If you, if you don't have a team, you can wear gold and black. I got plenty that you can wear, right? Go Jackets. After that, we're going to be kicking off Revive Kids. Um, it's going to be the first time that we've had like actual curriculum teaching our, our kids what it means to, to be like Jesus and to follow him. And then after the service, we're having a cookout at Academy Springs Park. So it's going to be a big Sunday. It's our kickoff Sunday, starting a new series, uh, caring about our kids and, and having community together. So make sure that you are here next week and make sure that you bring somebody, right? You want to invite people to that. Um, this week, however, we're doing another standalone series, and um, I want to talk to you about the subject of meant for more. Um, when I was in high school, I played football. Actually, I played football most of my life, and I was always good at it. I mean, I wasn't great. I was never going to go, you know, play D1 school, but but I started in college. I mean, I started in high school and all through rec league. The first year I ever played, I made all-stars. I was, I was good. Um, Got into high school football career, played in the ninth grade, moved up to JV my 10th grade year, and we got some new coaches. We got a new lineman coach, and, and his, one of his big focus was community amongst the linemen. And I didn't realize it at the point, but looking back now, I see he did things intentionally, like have us over to his house for like a, a pool party. Um, when we were at camp, we all kind of bunked in the same room together. When we were like outside doing drills and stuff, he would ask us trivia questions. And it was all kind of this intentional building of community amongst the linemen. We also got a new strength and conditioning coach, and this guy was a jerk right? Like he made us run all the time. We were always in trouble. If, if he was walking by and, and say we were supposed to be doing bench press and we had to do 10 reps of 12 and he counted one guy that did 11 reps, he'd make the entire team go out and run, right? He was ruthless. I mean, so mean. And at first I hated him because for me, as far as football went, I was comfortable where I was at. I had no desire to really get better. It wasn't a big part of my future. But, but when those coaches looked at me and they looked at the team, they saw that we had greater potential than what we were living up to. They saw that we were meant for more. And those coaches pushed us and they changed us. And listen, it may be hard to believe, but I've never been a runner. I know it's hard to tell, right? But, but my fastest run mile time was 12 minutes. And that was lucky. Usually it was closer to like 15 minutes, right? But these new coaches came in and literally one off season, I went from a 12 minute mile to an eight minute mile. And as a lineman, an eight minute mile is really good, right? Like I was leading the lineman. 
And here's the deal. You don't get that much in shape over one off season. You don't build muscle. You don't lose that much weight, but you can change the way you think. And these coaches came in and they saw that we were meant for more. They saw that we had a greater potential and they changed the way I thought. They changed the way I pushed myself. And because of them, I got better. Because of them, our JV team went on undefeated and won the championship that year. Because of those coaches, I reached a potential that I didn't even know I had. Today, I want to talk about looking at one thing, changing the way we think about ourselves and seeing how that is a step, it's a way forward to walk in what we are meant for, to walk and understand that we're meant for more. The word I want to talk about is Christian, right? We all know that word, right? Especially if you've gone to church or if you've been in the South, you probably consider yourself a Christian. But what I want to hope that I point out to you today is that Christian is not really your label. You know, if we go to the, go to the Bible, right? This is, our, this is our source. How many times do you think the word Christian comes up in the Bible? Three times. Three times in all of these words do you see the word Christian. And every time, I, I, have, a, I have a verse, if, if we can get the, the PowerPoint word, and we've been kind of having some issues. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you, you can turn to, if you have your phones, you can get it on there having some issues with the screen today, but we're going to look at Acts 11 verses 25 and 26. Here's the deal. In this situation, some some Jesus followers, right? In the Bible, they call them followers of the way. They've gone to Antioch and they start telling people in Antioch about this Jesus guy and people are, are dumbfounded. They can't believe this good news. And so they begin to believe in Jesus and they begin to kind of walk like that. And you actually, it says that, they, that uh, Paul talked to large numbers of people. So you've got this huge church forming in Antioch. And in verse 26, it says that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. What I want you to see is that they were called Christians by people who were outside of the faith. It was almost like a derogatory term, kind of like, you know, you hear the term now, man, you're a redneck, right? Well, to a redneck, it kind of brings this sense of pride, but it's meant from the outside looking in, you act like a redneck. Or, or maybe goth, you know, the goth were the people that were all black in high school, right? And, and so it's from the outside looking in, and you're, and you're almost calling someone a name when you know nothing about their culture. And so our term Christian actually came from people outside of the faith who don't know about the culture, but looking in and needed to label this movement. They needed to label it something, so they started calling them Christian. And so what happens is, is you can actually even, there, there's proof outside of the Bible, right? If you go and you just look at history, there's a guy named, uh, I'm going to mess this up, Tacitus, right? And Tacitus is this scholar from the first century that actually writes about Roman emperors. So, so, so if you're a history buff, or even if you're not, write this down and you can impress your friends later, all right? So Tacitus wrote about Roman emperors, and one of the emperors he wrote about was Nero, in fact, most of the, the information we have about Nero comes from this one writer. And he's talking about Nero. And see, Nero was this emperor, and he didn't like what Rome was doing. He didn't like where they were at. So he decided to burn it down, like literally just burn it down and start over. 
So this didn't go over well, right? Like, I mean, how would you feel if Mayor Covington came in and said, I don't like what Covington's doing and burned it down, right? Like, that's not a good situation, right? But this, this, this Nero guy, he did that. And when it backfired, people were mad because he burnt down their homes, he burnt down their businesses. He had to blame it somewhere. So I'm gonna actually read you what Tacitus writes about Nero. He says, consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians, called Christians by the populace. So this term Christian was people on the outside looking in. And if you think about it, if you go out right now and you put on Facebook, what is a Christian? You're going to get a million different answers. If I took 10 strangers and asked them what a Christian is, you'll get things like a Christian is someone who does good in the community. A Christian is someone who goes to church. A Christian is someone who prays and reads the Bible. A Christian is someone who believes in God. A Christian is someone who is judgmental. A Christian is someone who is homophobic. A Christian is someone who believes they're the only people going to heaven and secretly relish the fact that everyone else is going to hell, right? They get excited about it, right? You'll get a hundred different definitions about what Christian is because, because the very fact of what a Christian is is a definition from the outside about what's going on on the inside. And so what I want us to look at today that if we're gonna actually talk about who we are, it's not that we're Christians, it's something different. It's actually something a little more scary because it brings responsibility. See, if we go back to that text, it says the disciples were called Christians. Later on, and it, Paul is talking about how, how he wanted to become a disciple, but the church was reluctant because he had previously persecuted the church. And they were, they were afraid he was a double agent and they didn't want him to become a disciple. They don't, they don't say Christian, they say disciple. There's a, there's a part where it talks about Tabitha, right? And Tabitha, it says, was a disciple and she did good and she served the poor. See, see whenever people who were followers of the way talked about themselves, they called themselves a disciple. If you, if you post something on Facebook or you're at work and you start a conversation, you'll have people on every side of the argument that call themselves a Christian. Because when we say Christian, we can kind of define it how we want. But the Bible is very clear about what a disciple is. And so the question this morning, are you a Christian or are you a disciple? Because that's where the weight is. That's the way forward. That's the life change. See, a disciple, a disciple if, you, if you actually take it down and kind of define it, is, is someone who is a learner right? They're learning from whoever is discipling them. They're, they're a pupil. They're a student, a follower, an apprentice, right? A disciple says, hey, you know what? I've got to make these big decisions. What would you do? Or, you know what? I've got, I've got a question about how I should handle this situation. How would you handle it? A disciple says, hey, I need some advice here. And before you ever answer me with that advice, my answer is yes. They, they, kind, of, they kind of write a blank check for each situation. Say, hey, look, I'm facing this relationship issue. How would you handle it? And when they get the advice, they say, okay, that's how I'm going to handle it. A disciple is a follower. A disciple kind of costs you a little something. But here's the deal. In order to move forward, we've got to understand that it takes cost. 
And I've got to understand that it takes following and following Jesus. So are you a Christian or are you a disciple? And I think that when we look at scripture, we see some, some very clear things about what a disciple is. So, so if you want to stay with me, if, you want to ta- if you're taking notes, I'm not sure the screen's working today, but if you're taking notes, I've got a bunch of B words, all right? So it'll be easy to follow so you can write it down, you can take it home and you, and you have your own notes with you, okay? So here's the deal. The first thing we see is a disciple is a believer. A disciple believes, and here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Obviously, we know, right? If you're a disciple of Christ, you believe he is a savior. Okay, so, so I'm not gonna get past that. Jesus, he died on the cross. He died on the cross for our sins. And when we realize that how broken we are, and in that moment, we realize how broken we are and we surrender our life to him and we become a follower of him, you believe that he is your savior. But I think, I think that we would all say that that's a Christian too. I think a, a, difference, is, a difference is a disciple is a believer like we hear about in Romans 12. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. You know what that is? That, that, that spiritual fervor. I love the way it says that. It, it's always hot. It's always ready. It's always excited about what God is doing. It's always moved by the story and the thought of the cross. It's always moved by the price that Jesus paid. It's always excited even, even when life is difficult, you, can, you are emotionally stirred up because of what Christ did for you. And I, I have a little bit of an illustration here. I've got some things. I'm a big coffee drinker, in case you didn't know that. And I've got some ways that I heat up my coffee in the morning, the way I brew it, right? The first one here is this tea kettle. And this tea kettle is like watching paint dry. Seriously, you, you fill it up with water, you put it on the stove, and you wait, all right? And it gets warm, but it takes forever. And actually what I do sometimes is, is I put it on the stove and then I go continue getting ready. And sometimes it takes so long that I actually forget about it. Has anybody ever done that? Like literally I, I forget about it. All of the water boils out of it. There's a smoke cloud, the bottom of it. Let's just be honest. The bottom of it gets a little burnt, right? right? Because, because it takes so long. And so when I think about this, and I think about this in the idea of, of spiritual fervor, I kind of see this as, uh, you know what, I get to church, and I, I'm glad I'm here, but really the only reason I'm here is because there's some stuff going on in my life, and you know, it's about, about the third song. I decide I'll kind of get my hands on in my pocket. And you know, I, I'll go to church, but, but if the songs aren't the songs I like, and if the message if the message isn't really entertaining and it's not really good, then, then I'm probably not gonna come back next week. And, and, and you know, I'll be there on Christmas and Easter because I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but I don't know that I'm, I'm a disciple. I don't know that I'm always hot. And it kind of takes a, a long time to kind of heat up. But then I have this other, this is my pride and joy, right? This is what I use almost every morning. I plug it in, I hit a button, and then I hit another button. And in a matter of minutes, like no time at all. My water gets up to the temperature 205 degrees because that's the perfect temperature, right? 205 degrees and it'll hold there. And it'll stay there, right? And it's great. But honestly, it's still not, not the goal because it takes minutes to get there. And I kind of see this as, as a lot of my students when I was a youth pastor, right? They go to camp and they get really excited and, and they're, they're on fire for God and they're, they're motivated and they're pumped up for about two weeks, Right? 
And then and we, we go to church and we actually, we feel God move and the Holy Spirit stirs in our heart. And you know what? We're a Christian. We're a Christian, but, and our, but our faith kind of looks like this. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. And it kind of falls slowly and then flatlines. And then when you realize that you're flatlined, you say, okay, I'll go back to church. I'll get back in and reading my Bible again. I'll, I'll start praying again. And you get really excited again and you slowly trickle down. And see, I think the trick is if we have this working down, I think I have a picture on the, on the PowerPoint here of a, of a tap. And this is what was at Starbucks. This thing right here is gold, right? You touch that little handle and instantly you have hot water. Instantly. Seriously, I would, I, I would open at Starbucks. I'd walk in at five o'clock in the morning. Nobody's been in there for eight hours. I touch that handle and I've got piping hot, 205 degrees water instantly hot. Bible says to have an answer when someone comes to you with a question because we live in this life where we're so motivated, we're so motivated by the gospel that we're always believing that Jesus is gonna provide even when times are hard. We're always believing that Jesus is gonna be there to be our support when things start to fall apart around us. We know that he is the reason we have faith and we have spiritual fervor. We are always hot. And the way that happens, the way that happens is if you keep reading, you keep reading after Romans 12, 11, you can't have 12, 11 without 12, 12. I know that's bad math, but it works here, right? 12, 12 says to be joyful in hope, to pay, patient in affliction, joyful in prayer. Listen to 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. It's that hope in trial. It's that being and gathering together. It's being in fellowship and discipleship with one another that helps us reach instantly hot. The way you get instantly hot is by always being on your knees, by always having a spirit of prayer before you ever get to the time that you need the water. The reason that water is hot is because there's a motor working 24-7 underneath it. You don't stay instantly hot by accident. It requires us to be a disciple and active in our faith. Are you a Christian or are you a disciple? The second thing that, that is a mark of a disciple is as a disciple belongs. And this is really cool because we think about belonging and you say, you know what? Yeah, I mean, we need to belong. But Jesus kind of redefines belonging. He takes the outsider and makes them feel like an insider. I think I have the scripture on the, on the screen, but for the sake of time, I'm gonna kind of summarize it. In Mark chapter two, Jesus walks up to Levi. And Levi, if you read the text, is, is hanging out with the tax collectors, probably a tax collector himself, right? And, and Jesus says, come follow me. And this is weird because people hated tax collectors. They hated them. And Jesus says, hey, come follow me. And then, and then he goes even further. He goes to Levi's house for dinner, and guess who all's there? One translation calls them scum, sinners, people whose lives are falling apart, people who are taking advantage of the system, thugs, gangsters, thieves, people we don't like. And Jesus is having a meal with them. He makes the outsider feel like an insider. And we all know how awesome this is because we've all been somewhere where we feel like we don't belong. I mean, I think about, I think about the whole old school, you know, you got the, the old school draft in school. I remember one time we were playing soccer in gym and, and I wasn't good at soccer because it was running 24-7. I didn't even like soccer, you know. I was like, oh, but, but I didn't want to be picked last. 
right? And so you've got the two captains up there and they're picking people and it's coming down and, and my palms start to get sweaty because, you know, I have this social status and I don't want to be left out. And, and thankfully, you know, I wasn't picked last, second to last, but I wasn't last, okay? But, but I just remember thinking, man, how terrible was that? And how would it feel to be, have even teams and be the last person there knowing that nobody wants you? But we've all been there. And, and for me, it was kind of a group of, of people I didn't really know in gym class. But, but for some of us, we feel completely alone inside of our families. We feel completely alone at our house, at our job. And we think there's nothing there for us. But when we become a disciple, 1 John 4 says that God, God says that child, you belong to me. A disciple is a member of the family. A disciple belongs to the group. A disciple is looked after, cared for, challenged. A disciple belongs. And, and then makes other people feel like they belong. The question is, are you a Christian or are you a disciple? See, another thing that a disciple does is, is a disciple becomes. See, a lot of people get this backwards. They think that becoming something has to happen before you believe and you belong. But that's not the way it works. If you, I'll, I'll prove it to you. If you go to 1 Corinthians, I think I have, I think I have it on the board, 1 Corinthians uh, Chapter 1, verse 2, Paul is addressing this letter. He's writing a letter to a church. All right, he says, hey, this letter is from me, Paul. And he says, hey, this letter is to the church of God in Corinth. He's writing it to people of faith. He's writing it to disciples, to Christians. I don't know if you've had a chance to read the book of Corinthians, but the people he's writing to are pretty messed up. I mean... I'm not going to go through all of that right now, but, but you've got sexual immorality. You've got drunkenness. You've got clear, clear instruction that says, hey, what, does a Christian really need to know that? I mean, a non-Christian doesn't do those things, but it's happening inside the church. See, see Paul is writing to messed up people who are already believers. He is writing to some jacked up situations for people that already belong to the church. And he writes with this spiritual fervency, if that's even a word, right? He writes with this vigor that says, you have to stop doing what you're doing. You have to stop sinning because it is ruining your lives and it is ruining the church. But what I want you to see is he does not discount their faith. He does not say, you know what, you're obviously not a follower because of the things you're doing. He's saying you are a follower, and because of that, you have the power of a Savior inside of you to give you the ability to become the person you are meant to be. See, this is the become part. This is the meant for more part. This is the coach looking into our lives saying, you know what, I believe you are better than you are acting. Look, Jesus saved you. He saved you. You, you are going to heaven, but it's more than a get out of hell free card right? You're going to heaven. Your eternal consequences are, are erased, but that doesn't mean that your earthly consequences are erased. And when we sin, 
When we sin, we can literally be walking in hell on earth. And Paul is saying, look, that's not what you're meant for. That is not what you're meant for. You are meant to grow. You are meant to get better. Peter talks about moving from spiritual milk to to spiritual solid food. Anybody that's been around babies know that as they grow, their nutrition needs change, right? Start out on milk, then they move to baby food, then solid food, then sweet tea, right? Okay, just me. Okay, But but seriously, they, 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 they progress. And we're the same way. Peter's saying it's not okay to still be on milk, that you've been a believer for long enough, that our God is greater than that sin. And you're doing him a disservice when you say trapped in that addiction, when you say trapped in that broken relationship. But he is greater than that, and he is making you a better person. Yes, you believe, and yes, you belong. Now let's become what God wants us to be. Let's change. Let's change for him. But it doesn't stop there. And I think a lot of times that's where the church has stopped. We say, you know what? It's important that people believe, and it's important that they belong, and it's important that they're changing. But I think a true disciple is a disciple that makes disciples. If you go and you look at the Great Commission from Jesus himself, he says, Go therefore and make disciples. See, a disciple believes, a disciple belongs, a disciple becomes, and a disciple builds. It's more than just about me. It's more than just about us. Because when you begin to walk and live like a disciple and you begin to become that person that Christ has made you to be, there's this unbelievable fulfillment There's this unbelievable abundance. There's this unbelievable life that you have before you. And it's so awe-inspiring that you feel compelled to tell someone else about it. You feel compelled to say, this is not just about me, but it's it's for my mom. It's for my brother. It's for my coworker. It's for whoever it is you know that you know that their life is falling apart and chances are it's falling apart because they feel like they don't belong and it's falling apart because they're not being the person that they've been made to be and they're falling apart because they don't have a savior to believe in. But you have all of those things. You have all of those things and you have the answer. You have the answer, but we're too afraid to build because we're afraid of what it's gonna cost us, our, our, our social status, our relationships, the way people think about us. But if we call ourselves disciples, it's more than being a Christian. It's feeling the weight of telling people about Jesus. So are you a Christian or are you a disciple? Do you believe? Do you belong? Are you becoming? And are you building? And here's the deal. At Revive Church, we have a real practical way that you can practice this. In fact, it starts next week. And in fact, I challenge you to sign up for it today. We're starting back with our life groups. And here's what happens in a life group. You come together, you, you share some food. Sometimes it's a snack food, sometimes it's a meal, right? And then you, you look at the Bible and you hear a lesson and you challenge each other. You, you offer hope to one another. You see, see, church doesn't just happen in rows, And I think this is a great way to get people to that first step where they believe. 
but the rest of the process happens in real life. You have more pull in your coworkers' lives than I do. It's about being in a relationship with people. And this is how we're gonna do it at Revive. We're gonna have life groups. And look, we started last year, we had one life group and my goal this year is to have two. We double. And I believe that we can do it with just the people in this room. You can divide this room right now into three life groups. But it's, it's all depending on whether you wanna be a Christian or you wanna be a disciple. Are you willing to, to, to pay the cost to reap the reward? It's, an action, it's a call to action. It's a call to say, you know what? I don't wanna just say that I believe in Jesus, but I wanna be a part of the movement. The question this morning is, do you wanna be a part of the movement? Are you a Christian or are you a disciple?